All right, Mark chapter 14, Mark chapter 14. All right, that's where we're going to be at today. Now, as you guys are turning there, as you guys already know, oh, by the way, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to everybody here. Today is the first sermon of 2021, so I have the honor of doing that. And the new year is upon us. It is January 2nd. And by now, you've already probably seen all the social media messages about, you know, New Year's resolution. Maybe some of you have already, like, done something about it. You know, we're reading stuff like, be the best you, lose weight, you know, make more money, get that dream job. There's just something about the new year where everyone begins to think like, you know, we, we want to change. And if I can just say this, this hope for change in the new year, I actually don't mind it at all because it makes us think of our priorities. Now, as Christians, we're told to number our days so that we may get a heart of wisdom. And what that means is that we should all be mindful and intentional with the time that God has given us. So my desire today is to ask you, what are you going to prioritize as we start 2022, or if I can say it this way, what are you going to treasure most? What are you going to treasure most? Now, many of us have already set goals maybe with our physical goals, emotional goals, financial goals, vocational goals, relational goals. But let me ask you, have you made any spiritual goals to put God first? Now, let me just say that I believe that every goal we set is a spiritual goal because every goal is tied to what we worship. It's tied to what is close to our hearts. So we are all setting spiritual goals during this new year, whether we know it or not. The question is, are we going to treasure Christ above everything else. So that's where we're going to go today. So with that, let me go ahead and read our verses from Mark chapter 14, verses 3 to 11, and then we'll jump in, all right? Mark chapter 14, verses 3 to 11. And it says this, and while he, Jesus, was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly, very costly. And she broke the flask and poured it over his head. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, why was the ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor, and they scolded her. But Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, and whenever you want, you can do good for them, but you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial, and truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Verse 10, then Judas Iscariot who was one of the 12, went to the chief priests in order to betray Jesus to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. And he sought an opportunity to betray Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In 1997, a blockbuster movie came out called Titanic. It is a classic love story of romance, but within that storyline was also a great treasure hunt, specifically a 56-carat blue diamond called the Heart of the Sea that was believed to be lost in the wreckage of the Titanic. It is estimated to be worth today $400 million. 
Now, in this story, this necklace was given to Rose by her fiance, whom she did not want to marry. Now, as the movie kind of plays itself out, Rose, who is this upper-class socialite, falls in love with this blue-collared artist by the name of Jack. But then, as we all know, the Titanic hits an iceberg, and Jack gives his life to save Rose. You know, that's a beautiful moment, right? And at the end of the movie, at the very, very end of the movie, we discover that this precious blue diamond that everyone has been looking for, Rose has had it the entire time. So in the final scene, an elderly Rose stands at the edge of the vessel. And do you remember what she does? She throws the blue diamond into the ocean. Now, when that happens, I'm looking in the theater, I'm turning to my left and right and back, and everyone is just like, oh, they're just like sobbing like crazy. And I'm thinking, she's nuts. She's absolutely nuts. This fling that you had over 60 years ago, and you're going to throw $400 million into the ocean over a teenage crush? What a waste. Jack is not worth it. I know it's not nice, but Jack is not worth it. You know, you know, today we come across a very similar situation here. Jesus is having a Passover meal at Simon the leper's house. Now, this would have been Simon the ex-leper because lepers were exiled from society. So in order to have a meal, most likely what this meant is that Simon was healed by Jesus. We also know from our story that this is Mary here, Mary of Bethany. And from reading other parallel passages of the same story here in Matthew 26 and also in John 12, we know that this Mary, is a sister of Martha and Lazarus who was raised from the dead. So we know right now that at this dinner party, there's at least 17 people. And, and in my mind, this would have been an amazing dinner party. Because what you would have is that first you would have Simon go up and share with the dinner party, hey folks, let me just give a testimony real quick. I once had leprosy. I lost all feelings on my hand. My fingers started to feel off. But let me just say something. Jesus, he's amazing because he healed me. I had my fingers back. I could see my family again. It was awesome. And everyone at the dinner table is like, yeah, man, praise God. That's awesome. And then Lazarus is like, well, hey, I got something to share too. You know, just so you guys know, you know, I was dead and I was in paradise. And then suddenly I heard a voice say to me, Lazarus, come out. And guess what? I woke up in a tomb. I have no idea what's going on. Whoa, what's going on here, right? This would have been an amazing dinner party. And then what we see here during this party is that Mary comes in and begins to pour a very expensive perfume over the head and feet of Jesus. And we see that the dinner guests lose their minds. Verse 4 and 5. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, why was the ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor, and they scolded her. All the party guests are saying, what a waste, what a waste, what a waste, that from their worldly eyes, this perfume could have been sold and to be put to better use, specifically in verse 5, to give to the poor. That these folks knew that Jesus, they knew about Jesus' ministry, they worked with him, they knew how Jesus cared about the poor and marginalized. Mary, what a waste. And Jesus must have been saying the same thing to Mary, what a waste. No, he doesn't say that. Verse 6, but Jesus said to them, leave her alone. 
Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. Jesus protects Mary and affirms her action. What she is doing is not wasteful, but worshipful. When Mary took the most precious thing she possessed and gave it to Jesus, she was not crazy or foolish. She was treasuring Jesus. You know, friends, is Jesus going to be your greatest treasure heading into 2022? Now, this is an important question because we are all treasure hunters. You know, in Matthew 6, Jesus says this, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, whenever the Bible uses the word heart, it's talking about the control center of our lives. That, it's, that wherever our heart goes, so goes our feelings, our, our thoughts, our decisions. Everything goes with it. So those things that we treasure most, we will love most, we will glorify most. It's what we'll be most passionate about. We are people driven by our treasures. And if you notice with Mary, no one has to tell her to pour the perfume. No one has to tell her to get on her knees and to wash his feet. She naturally and she happily does it. Why? It's because Jesus is her greatest treasure. We also see in verses 10 10 and 11 when Mark gives us a contrast to Mary by showing us the example of Judas. And notice with Judas, no one has to tell Judas to betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. He naturally and he willingly does it. Why? Because money was his greatest treasure. When Mark puts both these stories back to back, he is telling us that when it comes to what we treasure, we only ever have two options. Either we will be sold out for Jesus or we will sell Jesus. Either we will treasure him above everything or we will treasure something else. Matthew chapter 6 says this, No one can serve two masters. No exceptions here. For either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. We are Christ followers, period. We are not Christ and money followers, not Christ and power followers, not Christ and comfort followers, not Christ and career, Christ and toys. No, we are Christ followers, period. We are people who treasure Christ and Christ alone. So let's ask this. How can I know if Jesus is my greatest treasure? How can I know this? We will always give him our best. That's how you know. You'll always give him your best. We see this in verse 5. Now, the ointment that Mary pours on Jesus is worth 300 denarii. And what we know is that one denarii was considered one day's worth of work. So 300 denarii would have been about one year's salary. And in today's market, it would be somewhere around maybe $30,000 back in those ancient times, which was a lot of money here. And for this family, it would have been their most prized possession. So when Mary brings out the alabaster flask, no one would actually have been surprised by this. Because back then, when you had big banquets or big parties like this, it was actually very normal to bring out the perfume and ointment. Because back in those days, when there was no deodorant or running water, everyone stank, okay? And the hotter it was, the more people stank, okay? So it was very customary that when you packed everyone into a room together, that the guests would come in and the host or hostess would dab you with a bit of ointment on your head to give you a pleasant smell. So it's kind of like putting on aftershave or perfume so you smell great. So Mary comes out to the dinner party 
with this $30,000 flask. And the guests would have found it very touching and appropriate because we know that in the timeline of this story, Lazarus would have been raised from the dead. So there would have been just some incredible moments for this family here. So as she brings out the flask and walks towards Jesus, everyone would have said, oh man, how sweet it is to dab Jesus. You know, right? This expensive ointment in the house, what a great way to honor Jesus. How generous of Mary. This is what was expected, a dab of, exp of expensive ointment. But Mary does the unexpected. Mary doesn't dab, she pours. Verse three, as Jesus was reclining at table, a woman with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly, and she broke the flask and poured it over his head. When it says that Mary broke the flask, do you know what's telling us? She used the whole thing. In that moment, $30,000 is gone. Can you imagine loving someone so much that you would spend a year's salary to give them a gift, right? That is unheard of. That's unheard of. That even as men, we're told that for the woman that we want to marry, that we want to spend the rest of our lives with and raise kids and our grandkids with, the rule of thumb is that when you purchase an engagement ring, to spend about two months of your salary. Now, if you really like her, you can spend three to four months. That's considered generous. Mary gives a full year's salary what she does here is extravagant, it is grand, and Jesus says that this is so beautiful. Mary shows us that when Jesus is your greatest treasure, no sacrifice will ever be too much. She knows that there is nothing that she can give Jesus that will ever match the value of Jesus in her heart, that Jesus deserved the best, so Mary gave her the best. Now, let me just show you two ways in how Mary gives Jesus her best, okay? First, she gives the best of her wealth, okay? We talked about that, right? She gives the best of her wealth. Now, we know that this flask was the most valuable thing that they owned, but when Mary broke it, she was giving up more than just her wealth. She was also giving up her security because an alabaster flask like this was actually a family heirloom that you passed down through the family to make sure that the family stayed financially secure, that if there was a famine that hit the land or a war that hit the land or a disease that hit the land and there was no way for you to make money or to feed the family, this alabaster flask would protect the family from disaster. When Mary pours it all out, she not only gives away the money from the flask here, but all the things that can come with money, power, control, privilege, security, safety. Friends, are we giving the best of our wealth to Jesus? You know, when you look at the charitable giving of U.S. Christians, it points out very quickly that we have a serious treasure problem around money. Statistics show that almost 90% of Christians don't give what the Bible will consider, at least in the Old Testament, to be the baseline floor of generosity, which is 10%, the tithe. Nine out of 10 Christians don't fully tithe. Instead, we give to ourselves first, and then we'll give God the leftovers. You know, for example, so often we do this with God, right? And oh, thank God, you know, you know we, got, we got this paycheck. I'll just use a $10 bill. Oh, God, thank you so much. I got my paycheck. Oh, I got some money. Yes, God, thank you so much. And you know what? I, I want to honor you with this. But, but, 
But God, before I give this to you, um, you know, I, I got to pay for rent. I, I got to pay for the mortgage. Well, you know, I, I got to eat, right, God? I got to eat, so I, I got to eat. Um, I have insurance to pay for. You know, I got car payments. Um, you know, I, the, the iPhone bill, I, I got to pay for I can't live without my phone. I, I got to pay for that. Well, you know, I got to watch Netflix, and I need some form of entertainment, right? Well, I got that vacation I've been planning. I got to see my family over the holidays. Um, well, I got retirement. Um, you know, I have a social life. And you know what ends up happening? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, I think I just put it back in my pocket. And we do this to God all the time. But wait, 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 wait. Wait, you know, wait, wait, wait. Oh, wait, wait, I do have some spirit change still. I do have some spirit change. God, there you go. That's crazy. We do this with God all the time. We don't give him our best. We give him our leftovers. But do you know what's even crazier? We do this and we expect God to say, Oh, that's so sweet. Oh, that's so sweet of you. Oh, thank you. You, 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 love, you love me so much. Thank you. That's ridiculous. That is crazy to think like that. This is a holy and almighty God who has given us life and breath and worth, who deserves our best. When Mary gave, she was not content on giving Jesus 2% or 10% of the flask, not even 80 or 90%. She knew Jesus deserved all of it. When you look at how you handle your money, would Jesus call it beautiful? Would he call it beautiful? Are you giving him your best? Now, just to practically share with you, as a family, a lamb family, for my family, a practice that we seek to do every single year is that we always desire to give a little bit more to God's kingdom than the previous year. Now, that might mean supporting a new missionary, sponsoring a compassion child, maybe raising a support for a parachurch worker in the city, or giving more to the church. And every year, that percentage of increase looks a little bit different each year, depending on the financial situation of our family. But no matter what our financial situation is, we are always committed to every year just to give a little bit more than the previous year year. And the reason we do this is because from the very first day of our marriage, which was 18 years ago, we never wanted money to drive our marriage. We wanted the mission of God to drive our marriage. And also, as we read a lot about why marriages fail, we start to realize that, a, that the first place that marriages begin to break apart are usually around finances. And my wife and I is that we are not going to play this game Money will not be an idol that will rule over us in this family. Jesus is the one that is going to rule over us. That's how we've chosen to do it, and that's how we practically treasure Jesus with our finances. I'm not saying for you to do the same thing, but it does take hard work, and it will take sacrifice to do this. Here's a second way that we can give our best to Jesus from our verses. Here's another way you can do this. We give Jesus our courage, okay? Now, what do I mean this? mean by this. When Mary breaks the flask to make much of Jesus, notice here, she gets hammered for it. Hammered for it. Verse 4 and 5 again. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, why was the ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor, and they plural, scolded her. Now, the word scolded is a weak translation. It literally means to snort or roar like an animal. So as Mary is pouring this ointment over, over Jesus, the whole room, all the guests are screaming at their top of their lungs, what a waste, what a waste. Mary, you're so dumb. Why are you doing this? And what I love about this moment 
is that when it came to treasuring and worshiping Jesus, Mary didn't do it when it was easy. She did it when it was hard, and she didn't care what other people thought. She didn't care if it was impractical. All she cared about was what Jesus thought. She gave the best of her courage to Christ. Now, how can this play out in many different ways? But let me just share one with you, and one that's very relevant here for South Loop. One way that you can do this by giving your best of your courage, it means that we can share, we will share our faith, that we will go public with our faith in this new year. Now, I don't know about you, but nothing gets me more anxious than when it comes to sharing the gospel with someone who doesn't know Jesus that my palms get sweaty, I begin to stutter over my words here, you know, I find, I start to think about excuses of why I shouldn't do this, or maybe like, you know, like, you know, is this really the best time to do this? Maybe this isn't the best time to do this. That what's really funny is that I can speak to like 100, 200 folks and tell them to like follow Jesus and repent of your sins, like, I can do that, but when it goes to, when it's walking across my street, talking to my neighbor about Jesus, I'm like, ah, I don't know if I can do this, right? Can you guys relate with that? You know, this anxiety that I feel it tells me that I'm living for a wrong treasure, that I'm living for people-pleasing, I'm living for comfort, I'm living for worldly reputation, and that is actually the very reason why I need to share my faith because it reminds me who my greatest treasure is. It reminds me that I don't live for this earthly home, I live for a heavenly home. It tells me that I don't live for the acceptance of others because I've already been accepted by Christ. If we treasure comfort, more than anything else, let me just tell you something, we will never ever step out and share our faith with others. So let me just ask you, what's your alabaster flask? What do you need to break to show that Jesus is your greatest treasure? Now, let's ask this. Why do we struggle with this? Why do we struggle with this? Or from our verses, why couldn't Judas treasure Jesus like Mary did? It's because earthly treasures blinded him from seeing the true treasure. Now notice here how quickly Judas and the party guests were able to do the math. That at a glance, they knew exactly what this flask was worth. It was intuitive. Judas was not blind to the value of this alabaster flask. What the tragedy of the story is, is that he was blind to the value of Christ. The reason Mary could give it all was because she could clearly see who Jesus was. Judas struggled and grew in selfishness because he could not clearly see who Jesus was. He was blinded by another treasure. He treasured money more than Jesus. Verse 10 and 11. Then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, wanted a chief priest in order to betray him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give Judas money. And he sought an opportunity to betray Jesus. Now we know that in Matthew's gospel that Judas gave up Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, which was about four months wages here. And the hypocrisy of the story is that Judas tries to shame Mary by saying that the money could be used by the, for the poor. But the whole time, Judas cared nothing about the poor. He cared about himself. That Judas being the group's treasurer, the disciples' treasurer, Jesus' treasurer here, he wanted the money so he could steal more of it for himself. For Judas, it wasn't proper to give the flask to Jesus, but he had no issues putting the money in his own pocket. In the same way... It's always easiest to be generous first to ourselves than to Christ. That when it comes to us, everything is an emergency. No cost is too much. 
But when it comes to God in this kingdom, it can wait. Maybe other folks can give to it. You know, there's a lot of other, you know, really wealthy people in the church. They, they, can, they can support that. We scrutinize every penny. We are so blind. And as we walk in blindness, we walk right into destruction. First Timothy chapter 6 says this. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Notice that money in itself is not the problem. It's loving, it's treasuring of money that leads to harmful desires, to to ruin and destructions, to wander from the faith. When we misplace our treasure in anything else but Jesus, it will always lead to suffering and self-destruction and uncontrolled selfishness. Notice what happens to Judas when he misplaces his treasure. Judas doesn't love the poor. He uses the poor and disguises his greed. He didn't celebrate Mary's worship. Judas got irritated by her worship. Judas wasn't transparent and sincere. He was duplicitous and a hypocrite. Judas didn't love Jesus. He sold him out. And just like Judas, we are so blind. You know, C.S. Lewis said in his book, The Weight of Glory, that so many Christians would rather play in the mud then take God's offer of paradise. We are far too easily pleased. So where's the hope here? Where's the hope? It's on the cross, Jesus treasured us. And it's on the cross that he gave us his best. Verse eight, Mary has done what she could. A statement that she has given her best. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. Mary sacrificed this ointment because she knew that his death was coming and it was in Christ's death that she knew that she was treasured and loved. And this is our good news. When Jesus goes to the cross, he gives us our best. He gives us the life that we could never live and dies the death that we deserved. And for God, this was such a foolish thing for him to do because he is infinite. He is almighty. He is all powerful. And because of of our rebellion, we are fallen, we are sinful, we are broken, yet God still gives us his one and only son who is worth more than all creation. The math doesn't add up. God, you're too great for humanity. God, don't waste your heart on them. God, don't waste your son's blood for their salvation. God, don't allow your son to be mocked and ridiculed on their behalf. To sacrifice anything for humanity is such a waste. But this is the good news. Jesus did not see us as a waste. He saw us as his treasure. Tim Keller, a pastor and author, said this. Every treasurer on earth says, give your life to purchase me. Jesus says, I'm the one treasurer who died to purchase you. 
It's now at the cross. Our eyes can be open to the true treasure of who Jesus is because now it's on the cross. We can now, because of the cross, we can give God everything because in Christ, he has given us everything. So now I can follow Christ and give him my best that if following Christ might mean losing relationships, it's worth it because the love I lose is nothing like the love I get from Christ. If following Christ means losing my comfort, it's worth it because the security I'm losing is nothing like the eternal, eternal security I get from Christ. And even if following Christ might cost me my life, it will be worth it because the life I lose will only be gained before him. There is no treasure I can give on this earth that Jesus isn't greater. Amen? Amen. So what's an application here? Let me just give you one. If Jesus is your greatest treasure, choose intimacy with Jesus over religious activity for Jesus in 2022. Look at verse 7 here. For you will always have the poor with you. And whenever you want, you can do good for them. But you will not always have me. Now, in this verse, Jesus is not minimizing the poor. He is not telling us to serve them. What he is saying is that the poor will always be with you, but not me. Jesus is not telling us to neglect the poor. He is telling us not to neglect his death. In other words, you will always have opportunity to love and to be generous with the poor. You should always do that. But now is an opportunity for personal, personal intimacy. That when everyone in this room here, for this Passover meal was thinking about how much good they can do with this money in the flask. We can feed the poor with this money. We can feed the hungry with this flask. We can give to the mission of God. We can do, we can do, we can do, we can do with all this money. Jesus protects Mary's worship and reminds them and reminds us again that spiritual intimacy is always more important than spiritual activity. Spending time with Jesus Knowing Jesus, delighting in Jesus, trusting in Jesus is most precious to him and it should be most precious to us. That Jesus welcomed Mary's intimacy and today for 2022, he is welcoming you into that same intimacy. Now, this can look like a bunch of different things in the new year. It can mean honoring the Sabbath. And let me tell you, that's hard for me. That's hard for some of us here. What that means is that you put down your work. It means that you turn off your email. It means that you do what God did on the seventh day, that you take a step back and enjoy who our God is and all that he has done. You know, another way that you can prioritize intimacy in your life, it means protecting your mornings and evenings and spending time in prayer and Bible reading. That we can't treasure someone deeply if we don't know them deeply and spend regular and protected time with them. For example, if I only talked with my wife only a few minutes a day, maybe two, three minutes a day, how deep is that relationship going to be? Or maybe just a few minutes that entire week, you know, my relationship with her would be very emotionally shallow. Or even better yet, what if I just came on Sunday mornings and I had someone else tell me how amazing my wife is? Or I had other folks on the stage sing about how amazing my wife is, but yet I never spent any personal time to know her. Who would ever want a marriage like that? If we value intimacy and depth, we need to protect our times together to pray, to laugh, and to cry sometimes. Prioritize 
Will you treasure him above everything else? Frankly, this is such a true statement. If it's important to you, you will make time for it. You will make time for it. If you treasure Jesus, choose intimacy over religious activity. So Park South Loop, let me just ask you. Is Jesus your greatest treasure? What is the alabaster flask that you need to break heading into 2022? Let's bow our heads and pray. Father God, we thank you that it's in Christ. Lord, we see the love of God. That it says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Father, thank you for delighting in us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us your son. Thank you for treasuring us. And God, I pray, Lord, that now that because we know the gospel, that is so dear to our hearts, that, Father, that we would do the exact same. That, God, that we would treasure you above all. That, God, that we would head into 2022 where, Lord, your son is not a side dish in our lives, where he's just a tack on, but that Christ would be on the throne of our lives. That we would look and not look to the horizontal, but that we would look to the vertical. That our lives would not be defined as Martha, which is nothing wrong about serving you and doing things for you. But, God, first help us to have the heart of Mary to abide in you first, to rest in you first, to choose to be in intimacy with you first, God. So Father, would you do that work in our hearts? We love you. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen.